0: started this morning just want to ask you this quick question quick question and present it to you have you ever met anybody that immediately you liked anybody in here that you just you kind of met them and you immediately had a connection and you're thinking i really like you you know you just kind of have a meet one of those people if you ever anybody in here ever met Derek stallings he's one of those kind of people like you meet Der- he's like who me you did you meet Derek? And he's just one of those people that you can just, you just kind of meet. He's got a real gentle spirit about him, just an awesome guy. But, you know, sometimes you just meet people that immediately you just feel this connection with, that you just meet and you're thinking, man, I would, I would do anything for you. I might would, like, go to Walmart on a Saturday for you. Like, I might, I might like you that much. Maybe not quite that much, but a little bit. Um, on the flip side, have you ever met anybody that you immediately disliked? You're like, what is that about you that I do not like? Uh, you're trying to figure that out, and you just have this immediate thing where you're like, gosh, you just grade me the wrong way. Like, I don't even want to pick up a piece of paper in front of me to take to the trash can, which is two steps beyond that for you. And we find these people in our life, and um, as we're approaching Serve Week, not this coming week, but the week following, as we're approaching it, Sometimes, if we're not careful, um, we can base our own servant attitude, our own willingness, our our own availability based on our assumptions of someone and whether they think that they're worthy of our serving and worthy of our liking. And uh, I'm going to take you to a story, this has kind of been ruining me for a couple weeks, but um, I'm going to take you, if you've been in church for any length of time, or you grew up in church, um, I'm going I'm to go to a book um, called Jonah. It's in the Old Testament. And I'm going to hit some verses. I'm going to give the kind of the fast version of Jonah. But um, Jonah was um, called of God. Um, he was um, an Israelite. And God had called Jonah to go to a group of people that Jonah didn't like. Um, he, he really, he, he actually loathed them. He couldn't stand them. And isn't it interesting that God sometimes will call you to the very people that grate your nerves? It's like God, what are you trying to do to me? He's trying to humble you um, and, and so and, and so let me tell you a little bit about this group of people. They were the Assyrians or the Ninevites and um, they had been known for some grotesque and horrible crimes, even groups of people that they would go that they were heading to attack those people would even um, commit suicide or kill themselves, the entire clan would kill themselves before they could even be attacked by the Ninevites, the Assyrians, because the way that they treated people, the way that they um, were, um, brutalized them was, was so scary. One of the things that they even did to torture people was they would bury people, they would bury people all the way um, from their, from their neck down in the sand, and they would take their tongue and put a hole in it and tie a leather strap, and pull it out so that the person couldn't even swallow, in a desert, and and so they were known for these horrible things. And the, these very people had attacked um, Jonah's family, the Israelites, and so I, it doesn't say this in the word. And when I researched it, it didn't really show me any any. It didn't show me anything for or against it. But I, I feel like that Jonah had come face to face with these people before that he had maybe felt the sting of their brutality, that he had maybe felt um, the pain of their abuse and uh, of their mistreatment and of, of how wicked they truly were. And then here is God the Father speaking to him saying, I want you to go preach the message of good news to them. I want you to go preach salvation to them. I want you to go preach forgiveness and love to them. And so Jonah, like some of us do, anybody, one of those people that, You nod yes while you're inside, you're saying no. Like, and so Jonah, Jonah said yes to God, but then really went the opposite direction. And in the process, he goes on a ship and gets thrown overboard. And then God has him abducted by a whale. So he's laying in the belly of a whale he's hijacked by the belly of a whale and he's in the belly of the whale for Three days and three nights and in that process in that process God's talking to him and doing a work in him and you can if you want to not for time's sake I'm not going there But in in chapter two you can see all along where he's kind of having this discussion with god He's kind of repenting of his own situation. He's saying god. I'll love you god. I'll honor you god I obey." So i'm going to take you to the very end take you to the very end of Jonah chapter 2 verses 9 and 10 and I'm going to be reading this morning out of the message translation so if you don't have it no need to be concerned Um, we have it for you up on the screen so Jonah chapter sorry give me one second Jonah chapter 2 verses 9 and 10 and it's all the way on the very end and you can see this part and Jonah says this I'll do what I promise to do. So he's in the belly of the whale. I'll do what I promise to do. Salvation belongs to God. And then verse 10, he says, then God spoke to the fish and he vomited up Jonah on the seashore. Now skip over, if you will, with me to write to the next chapter, chapter three, verses, I'm gonna read verses one, two, and three, one through three, and then verse 10 as well. Again, I'm in the message translation all day today. And it says this, next, God spoke to Jonah, uh, what kind of time? Second time. Up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh, preach to them. They are in a bad way, and I can't ignore it any longer. And this time, Jonah started off straight for Nineveh, obeying God's orders to the letter. So here's the deal. In this chapter, he's preaching the message to them. He's preaching the good news to them, and and they're receiving it. The king receives it. He calls a fast. He calls them all to repent. And so verse 10 in chapter 3 says this, And God saw what they had done, the repentance that they had turned away from their evil lives, he did change his mind about them. What he said he would do to them, he didn't do. Now, I'm going to skip over to Jonah chapter 4. And I'm going to show you the response that Jonah had to God's forgiveness. Jonah was furious. He lost his temper and he yelled at God, I knew it. When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen. This is why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love, and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. Now, here's the deal. Jonah's here preaching the message of Jesus Christ, preaching the message of the good news of God, preaching forgiveness, preaching love, preaching mercy, and when people receive it, he is irritated. And I am wondering if you can just take an internal examination this morning. Just kind of slow the pace down. This isn't for you to look at anyone else or think of it. Just do something. In this message as I've been sending it, I've been thinking even about my own self, my own response to people that I think are not worthy of the goodness of God and how I decide for them. You know, sometimes we don't see ourselves quite like Jonah. But I wonder how all of us would respond if someone had hurt a loved one of ours, if someone had been brutally mean or killed somebody that we love, how, how willing would we be to say, hey, forgiveness belongs to you? You know, I've just recently found my own self deciding who's worthy of my help and assistance and who is not. I find even in my own life that it's easy to pass judgment. I don't know how many of you have gone through a drive through here before, or maybe Wendy's, maybe you've walked into a store And you've encountered a foreign exchange student. How many of you have tried to explain to them exactly what you need? They're trying to explain exactly that they don't understand what you need. And in that moment, we get super frustrated. And some thoughts that if we're careful, we don't necessarily speak out. But we might think on the inside. Why are you here? You can't even speak my language. Don't you know this is America? So many times we let our frustration come out. So many times in our serve week, we're gonna be having the privilege of cleaning people's yards, doing some yard work. We've had projects before where you walk up on them and the condition of their home the condition of the way they look, the condition of some things that we think aren't the way they should be, and we immediately assess the situation and size them up. They should just get a job. If they had a job, they wouldn't need us to be here serving them. Sometimes we don't even realize we're doing a sir project this year for a girl who's lost her mother. Anybody in here ever lost a parent? Anybody realize that the comeback from them sometimes can be a little taxing on us? Taking on tasks such as cleaning out their homes and cleaning up their yards can be very overwhelming. They can let things go that are far too long and should have been dealt with, but because of their grief, they aren't able to tackle the project and we pull up on the scene and immediately assess the situation, having no indication or no knowledge of the truth of what really goes on, but decide who is worthy of our service. This Serve Week, we're going to have the privilege of serving um, alongside of the team of Pastor David and um, Mr. Mark Daniels and their wives. They serve our um, international students every single Thursday, every single Tuesday, every single Tuesday or Thursday. <laughs> One of those days. Um, and, and they serve those students. Last, last week, Miss Kathy was in service. She said they served over 150 international students. We get the privilege, the privilege to make food for them and to serve them. Let's not make sure that we don't mistreat them at Walmart and serve them food on Tuesday. Because we're assessing the situation to our limited amount of knowledge. Bryce and I had the privilege last year to pick up a student uh, off and on and just hear his story. Sometimes you don't even realize that they're trying to go get enough money just to support the people back home, and this is a land of opportunity, and I'm not saying that even the CERV projects, sometimes we come up on, we've done some, we've put in septic tanks for people. I get in way over my head. I know it. I, I've always wanted to put roofs on and do projects that are probably way beyond our means, and sometimes when you do investigate and you do search these things out, you do find that sometimes people haven't done their part, but the reality of it is is that's not our job to worry about. It's our job to do what he's called us to do. You know, uh, I found even in my own life that serving has less to do with the other people and has more to do with me. And the response that it gives me. And I've read this book several times. I want to read to you a, just a quote out of this book of Richard Foster's book called The Celebration of Disciplines. And you know, the interesting thing about servanthood is that it's not just for the poor. It's not just for a certain status of life. The, the reality of it is, is it, it's for everyone. I can remember a time, a moment in my life where God had asked me to give a $50 bill to a person that didn't need a $50 bill. Because it wasn't about the money, it was about my obedience. And sometimes we look at people and we think, well, they might not need our help. Look, they've got enough help. They, but the other part of it is, is you don't know what they need. You just need to be obedient to him. And sometimes if we're not careful, it doesn't matter the status of somebody, the age of somebody, the race of somebody, whether they're male or female. It matters of whether you're going to take down and be, have the servant attitude. But Richard Foster said this, and I thought it was so awesome. He said, People whom we only once envied, we now view with compassion. For we see not only their position, but we see their pain. People whom we would have passed over before, we now see and find to be delightful individuals. (laughs) Somehow we cannot exactly explain how we feel a new spirit of identification with an outcast. See, true service builds unity It draws in, it binds, it heals, and it builds. And in a day and age where everyone's trying to be the most important and the most noticed, which is something that's really all not that new, we find in Mark chapter nine a very similar situation. Mark chapter nine, the latter part of Mark chapter nine in verse 33, I think we're gonna go there. Yeah, 33 through verse 37. It's an interesting thing. Jesus begins to tell the disciples they're making their way back and he begins to tell the disciples on their journey on their walk he says hey look i'm going to be leaving this earth i'm i'm going to be crucified i'm going to go back you know to ascend to heaven and you're going to be left here on this earth and so i he tells them the story and then all of a sudden they're kind of walking and there's some talking amongst the disciples they're murmuring they're not murmuring in a negative way they're just whispering amongst themselves and and i don't know in study time i just kind of was talking to god about this and i'm wondering if they were talking about Jesus' succession plan you know like jesus is leaving so okay who's the most qualified to take his position like i'm a pretty good I, i'm a pre, I'm, I'm a pretty good planner i'm a pretty good healer i feel like I, I probably got this crusade thing down good so when jesus ascends i'll just step in like just call me junior you know, and, and I, feel, I feel like that they might have been wondering what exactly was going to happen and who was going to be the one who took Jesus' place. How I know this is because in verse 33, Mark chapter 9, 33 through 37, it says this, and they came to Capernaum, and when he was safe at home, he asked them, what were you discussing on the road? And the silence was deafening. Makes me think that they might have been talking about something they ought not be talking about. They had been arguing with one another over who among them was the greatest. Then he sat down and said, come on, guys, let me, let me have a little talk with you. Summoned the 12, and so you want to have first place. He says, then take last place and be the servant of not who we decide is worthy, not who we think is qualified to get our help. He said to all. And then a portion of scripture that we don't read after this, God has been talking to me a little bit about this, not in an audible voice, but just kind of stirring some things around in me, just putting an impression upon my heart about serving and about how sometimes we're qu- so quick to judge and so quick to decide. And so, but the reality of it is it's not our job. And, and Jesus does this interesting thing. He, he puts the child in the middle of the room, and then cradling the little one in his arms, he says, "Whoever embraces—I just kind of picture him holding this baby. We've been holding the baby all weekend because Atley Dean's with us. we we've, we we've been—he said it holds this child and embraces one of these children as I do, embraces me, and is—and f- and far more than me, God who sent me." Recently, I have the privilege—I well, don't know if it's a privilege—but Kenzie and I finished up small group on Monday night. We had dropped off Miss Myrna at her home, and we were up in um, in Southern Shores. And so Ken said wanted to do some grocery shopping at Walmart. And it was about 9:30. I feel like it gets weirder at 9:30. Walmart does. I don't know what that is, but it was weird. It was a weird experience. And um, so we're like in Walmart, and we're getting our groceries, and I'm just kind of looking around, thinking, where where do you people come from? And uh. Again, it's so quick how we judge, you know? And most of them are from Ohio, where I'm from. I don't know what that says. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, so and, and if you know Mackenzie, she's going to give birth probably at one today, but if not t- today, in the next couple days. She's very noticeably pregnant. So we're checking out, and there is... There is the kind, and she had a return. So how many of you know it's 9.30, close to 10? A person has a return. You're already irritated. And not only does she have a return, she has groceries to buy after the return. I'm bracing myself for an experience. And we come in contact with the kindest, most gentle spirited cashier with this giant smile on her face. And she packs our groceries, and every single bag she puts in, she runs across and puts it in. Of course, she doesn't want Mackenzie to lift it. She must think, I'm old and she's pregnant. (laughs) Sometimes these wrinkles come in handy. Um, And she loaded every single bag in the cart. At 10 o'clock at night, When all the weirdos are out. In her job at Walmart, she chose to be extremely wonderful to us. I was, we were in kind of a team meeting the other day, me and Stephen and Hannah, and we were just talking and I was telling her about this experience and I was, I knew that God wanted to put it in in with the teaching today, but I couldn't quite figure it out. And one of the things Hannah said to me is, you know, Hannah's pregnant and, She's due in October, and she said, it's so interesting, and I'm sure if you've been pregnant before, you said, it's so interesting, the moment people can see your belly, they change the way they treat you. It's like, it's like they don't want you to be hurt, they don't, they want to care for you, they want to treat you different. She said, people that would have passed me by before will stop and say, oh, go on ahead, go on ahead or give you privilege, or even speak to you, and how you doing? They'll pass over for a pregnant person. Oh, how you doing? I begin to think about this reality that we're all pregnant with something. We pass people by and we don't know the visions that God's put on them. The dreams that it feels like they're never going to get to accomplish in their life. We don't know if they're in Pregnant with a hurting marriage that needs a healing. Whether their finances are are in a mess. Because we can't see the outward thing that's going on with them. We can't see the outward finance problems. We can't see the outward marriage problems. We can't see the outward job problems. We can't see the outward sickness that's going on with them. We can't see the outward thing on them. We pass them by, but we don't realize that they're pregnant with other things too. And God's saying, you want to be the greatest, you're going to have to be the least. You, he didn't pick up a baby for us to only love babies. He picked up a baby because that's what he calls us, the children of God. And when he picked up that baby, what he's saying is, you know what? Everyone in my kingdom is valuable and important. And when you hurry by, because you want to get your own life done, you're missing an opportunity to look just like me. I wrote a couple things down that I wanted you to hear. It says we're really all pregnant with something, and so many times we do the project and forget the person. We're on a mission and forget the main reason. And if we're not careful, we can put the process in front of the people. See, July 13th through the 19th of the 20th, which is our serve week, we're not just painting schools, which we're going to be painting Manio High School. We're not just cleaning up yards and parks and beaches. We're not just working in food banks and bringing food for food banks. We're not just serving meals to foreign students and lifeguards and our public servant officials. We're seeing past the person and seeing their purpose. We're making a difference so that they can see the Jesus that made all the difference. See, we're not just choosing to serve. We're choosing to become a servant, which is a very different kind of thing. See, we're becoming available and we're becoming vulnerable. You know, Jesus came down to earth, not quite like this, but a little bit like this. It says that he gave up his deity. It says, he, it says he came from heaven and laid down who he was to become the servant of all. He became like us to know us so that he could identify with everything that we go through in life. And he laid down This crown. And he put on an apron. I put this on this morning. Pastor Stephen said to me, That's dirty. And I said, Most servant work is. He took off that crown and he put on this apron. And he said, Who's ever the least among you will be the greatest of all. I'm going to leave you this morning with a portion of scripture in Romans chapter 15, verse 1 through 6 out of the message translation. It says this: It says, Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter. And not just do what is most convenient for us. (laughs) For strength is for service and not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us. Asking ourselves, how can I help? That's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles. But he waded right in and helped out. He said, I took on the troubles of the troubled in the way the scripture puts it. Even if it was written in scripture long ago. You can see it's written for us. God wants the combination. Now check this out. He wants the combination of his steady. Constant calling. And warm personal counsel. In scripture to come to characterize us. Keeping us alert for whatever he'll do next. May our dependably. Dependably. Steady and warm, personal God, develop maturity in you so that you will get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with all of us. Then we'll be a choir, not our voices only, but our very lives, singing in harmony and a stunning anthem to God and the Father, our Master Jesus. Don't you love that this morning?